0: Taking a look at Valorant and more coming up on today's episode of The Lace and Tech News. Hey, gadget here! You're just in time for the latest episode of the world's only three-in-one show on tech, gadgets, and gaming news. That's right, this is The Lace and Tech News. My name is Taylor American. If you're new here, well, it's been a while um (laughs) well you probably don't even know because you're probably just tuning in um but if you're a long-time listener you probably know i've taken a couple month hiatus or so but i'm back in hot seat i know i had a cryptic message about a week or two ago at this point just for the podcast listeners um and so i i'm trying to think of ways to expand and maybe change the show or add to the show or maybe add a new show i don't know quite the best way to do it um all i know is that for the amount of podcasts that i've had to listen to over the months uh, and years prior um i don't know it 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 always feels like it's Lacking something, and that something is what I'm hopefully providing um, to the show for you guys, because I know you want to know about the latest tech, the gadget, gaming news, you know, cool news. Uh, speaking of which, the news that we're taking a look at today is, well, Apple paying up to $500 million to settle a U.S. lawsuit over slow iPhones. Facebook's rebuilt Messenger is a big step towards unifying its chat platform. The Microsoft um, apparently is looking at at upgrading older computers to Windows 7, seeing an opportunity there. Your Google Pixel just became a whole lot cooler thanks to a new update that we'll be taking a brief look at. Also be taking a look at the Samsung Galaxy S20 Ultra 5G and the first impressions there. Uh, a custom computer with a 64-core processor that'll uh, beat up any uh, Mac out there trying to become all pro and top of the line. We'll also be taking a look at the next Fortnite update, what to expect in 12.10. One interesting game mode um, kind of coming out. Our feature story, we'll be taking a look at Riot's new shooter, Valorant. Kind of looks like a a mesh between Overwatch meeting CSGO. And finally, we'll be taking a look at the new PS5 and Xbox Series 10 leak that is a rumor floating around right now, but it looked into it and it's Seems more or less valid. I mean, it valid. It, it makes sense. So uh, we'll get right into that. But before we do, let's take a look back on today in tech history. All right, today is March second, twenty twenty. On this day in history, in nineteen ninety seven. Gates admits a Netscape lockout during a hearing on Microsoft's alleged antitrust activities. Bill Gates admits Microsoft's contracts bar internet content providers from promoting Netscape's browser. Eventually, Internet Explorer dominates the web browser market as it is shipped for free with every copy of Windows. (laughs) I I, I love the finer details of going into that case, but I can't divulge them here. But if you are interested, uh, do let me know. Uh, and I, I'll be happy to expound on uh, why the government should really stay out of stuff, but it's it's funny in a way that it, it just happened. Also on this day in 1972, NASA launches the Pioneer 10 spacecraft on a mission to explore the outer planets of the solar system. It will pass near Jupiter and Neptune before leaving the solar system. And uh, finally, on this day in 1969, the Concorde supersonic transport jet makes its maiden flight. The Concorde is only the second supersonic passenger airliner to have been commercially operated. The Concorde fleet flew until November 26, 2003. And by far, I don't know, at least visually, the Concorde was a pretty cool looking commercial supersonic uh, airliner. Um, That uh, I kind of missed. I never had the chance to fly on one, but uh, I don't know. Maybe safety issues. But with that out of the way, let's head on over to, well, the news that we got lined up for today. Alright, so, if you're new here, the typical breakdown is we'll share a couple tech stories, a couple gadget stories, and a couple gaming stories, just to kind of round out the day. Now, the cryptic message that I had left in the podcast uh, prior to this episode, a couple weeks back, is me wondering if You want me to break these stories into more individual stories so that you can consume them when you want and know that it's like a a specific piece of content you'd be interested in? Or if you just want to tune in for the whole show, I don't mind either way. Um, I do see the benefits and the pros and the cons to either side, but it, it, I feel like something might be missing. Like, I could be covering more news, more content, and, and specifically tailor it as it were um to like a like a specific segment or a specific topic like microsoft news or or, or more Fortnite news because uh, i do have a couple topics that i'm interested in if you haven't noticed uh there are a couple topics that i tend to hang around or bring up on occasion that's just what i'm keeping an eye on but you might be interested in something different these are just thoughts that i'm um kind of bringing forth so i'm always interested in your feedback as always you can talk to us on twitter at tech news gadget you can leave a comment below on this video you can leave a comment on this podcast episode uh you can send me an email taylor at technewsgadget.net or technewsgadget at gmail.com um or or Well, there's numerous other ways to get in touch, least of which head on over to technewsgadget.net for all the latest. So first up, Apple is looking to pay up to $500 million to settle a U.S. lawsuit over slow iPhones. Now, you remember not too long ago when this big hubbub erupted between... New update of an operating system, and Apple saying, "Well, yeah, we're gonna have to start slowing down the older ones to kind of encourage people to upgrade to the new ones." To which there's a lot of backlash, and then all the Apple users said, "Well, I like my old phones. I don't care if I want to have Windows 95 on my phone. Um, Give me what I want. Okay, I'm happy with it." So um, Apple got in trouble for that. Uh, Apparently, you can't throttle um, old, outdated iphones or, or or products and services that you made it's just a little bit uh unfair they, they they paid for the service and i understand the argument both ways like you're trying to encourage them as a company to upgrade to the newest thing because it's more secure it has the latest features um everything that goes along with you know the brand that you're trying to provide uh, to the consumer but on the other side the consumer is like look i bought what i wanted Now give me what I wanted, which is uh, just this. So uh, the preliminary proposed class action settlement was disclosed on Friday night and requires approval by U.S. District Judge Edward Davila in San Jose, California. It calls for Apple to pay consumers $25 per iPhone, which may be adjusted up or down depending on how many iPhones are eligible, with a minimum total payout of $310 million. Now, Apple denied wrongdoing and settled the nationwide case to avoid the burdens and costs of litigation. Court papers show, and obviously I could see they could just litigate them to death. The Cupertino-based Calif- uh, California-based company did not immediately respond on Monday to request for comments. So, in case you're wondering... Friday's settlement covers US owners of the iPhone six, six plus, six S, six S Plus, seven seven plus or SE that ran the iOS ten point two point one or later operating system. It also covers US owners of the iPhone seven and seven plus that ran iOS eleven point two or later before december twenty first, twenty seventeen. It's US owners only at this point. Um, Mainly because I guess it affected us only Uh, consumers contended that their phones performance suffered after they installed Apple software updates. They said this misled them into believing their phones were near the end of their life cycles requiring replacements or new batteries. Apple attributed the problems mainly to temperature changes, high usage, and other issues, and said its engineers work quickly and successfully to address them, analysts sometimes refer to the slowing of iPhones as throttlings. Now, lawyers for the consumers described the settlement as fair, reasonable, and adequate. So, um, looks like, um, $25 per iPhone would be about average, at most $46 per iPhone. So, if you happen to have that... You might have just compensation coming your way. So, uh, I'll have a link to this article in the show notes over at technewsgadget.net. Next up Facebook's rebuilt messenger is a big step towards unifying its chat apps. And, uh well, seeing as how they have a handful of them owned already, um, the most important changes are the ones that you can't see just yet. Now, Facebook just moved one step closer towards its goal of allowing users to swap messages across, get this, Messenger, WhatsApp, and Instagram. Today, the company announced that it's rolling out a new version of Messenger for iOS that's been rebuilt from the ground up. This is the Lightspeed redesign the company first teased last year at F8. Probably covered it. But besides faster launch speeds, most users shouldn't notice really much of a difference between a new app and the one they're already using. That's because Lightspeed was more about simplifying Messenger's underlying code. Get this, um, Facebook notes the app went from 1.76 million lines of code to 360,000 Uh, just nuts. I mean, you're able to simplify it that much, it's great. Then adding features to a notoriously bloated app, and it always works out better to just cut out the bloat, streamline it as much as you can, but still keep the underlying features and build up off of it. In fact, Messenger's engineers have been steadily stripping features out of it, like the Discover tab, which the company confirmed it was axing last week. Now, separately, Facebook notes that some features may be temporarily unavailable, but no word yet on which specific capabilities may be affected. More importantly, the redesign lays important groundwork for other big changes that will fundamentally change the way that you use Messenger, namely Facebook's plan to bring all of its messaging into a single experience. The company also suggests that the new version helps move the app a little closer toward its goal of adding encryption to messenger chats by default, though it's unclear exactly how that's going to work for now. Those remain longer term goals. Zuckerberg has made clear that cross app messaging isn't coming anytime soon. And a company recently confirmed its encryption plans are still years away because well, when you're trying to take three completely different apps, merge them in together and then all the everything that goes along with it. Yeah, you got, you got a ways to go. But um, time well spent, and uh, if you get that whole um, encryption built into it, it would be well worth it in the long run. So, that, let's head on over to the next article. All right, so Microsoft, <laughs> I know another Microsoft story, is seeing an opportunity in old computers that still need to be upgraded from Windows 7. Um, wait, is this the first one? Oh, it's the first one. There's Apple. And then there's Facebook. And then, I don't know, they all sound the same. Big conglomerate companies just, I don't know, uh, get confused sometimes. So Microsoft still sees plenty of opportunity for customers to upgrade machines from Windows 7 to Windows 10. And it's not only because of the current climate going on. Uh, Usually Microsoft sees a pronounced increase in revenue around the time it ends support for an older version of its Windows operating system as individuals and companies buy PCs with the latest from Microsoft. Then, over time, the impact kind of tails off, making for a tougher year-over-year upgrade. It's taking a little bit longer this time around, which could spread out the revenue generated from the upgrade process to additional quarters. Analysts are watching Windows' revenue closely as it gives Microsoft 15% of its revenue and a meaningful profit. Amy Hood, Microsoft's finance chief, indicated to analysts in January that China's uh, current public health situation and a chip shortage uh, because of it could be factors in a prolonged windows refresh cycle. Uh, at the time, she issued a quarterly revenue guidance range for the business segment, including windows. That was wider than usual to Im- reflect the impact um, from the health situation in particular. Then last week in the midst of a market sell off, Microsoft said it did not expect to reach that guidance range uh, while sending it and other stocks tumbling a little bit. Um, But then they go on to explain... Something interesting. Microsoft released Windows 7 in 2009. Other than Windows 10, it's the most popular version of Windows on desktop with about a 23% share in February. Windows 8 and Windows 8.1, which came out in 2012 and 2013, respectively, are less widely used than Windows 7. Microsoft said in 2018 that there are 1.5 billion Windows devices. I feel great that we're executing well on end of support Hood said on Monday, speaking of older versions of Windows PC licenses and other products, it builds a great funnel for us as we think about transitioning to the cloud for customers and helping them on their hybrid journey. So, yeah, it'll be uh, interesting. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see what that opportunity actually turns into. Um, Maybe more perks. The, The free upgrade didn't really work. I mean, I got it. But I honestly could have just sat on 7. I don't see anything different. Do you? I mean, okay, if you use a Windows, do you use Windows 7? Do you use Windows 10? I used Windows 7 up until maybe beginning of last year. Not the 2019, not 2020. Um, and then I upgraded it because prior to that, when I had tried upgrading to Windows 10, I had a problem Mainly because it just stuff wasn't compatible and stuff was breaking. I didn't like it at all, so I just switched back to 7. Uh, but now that I got back to 10, it seemed to have smoothed itself out. I don't know. It's weird. Um, let me know your thoughts down in the comments. All right. Moving on to some gadget news. Um, By the way, if you're excited that we finally got this show back... <laughs> Which I happen to um, continue posting regularly. I know, I I, I said that before. I'm going to do my best. Um, Feel free to share this episode with a friend. I do this as a show, so obviously uh, there's a lot packed into the episode. Um, If you want me to break it out into maybe segments, let me know. If you want me to cover other segments outside of the show segments and you want to just watch the show for the show, let me know. Um, but do share this episode with a friend, um, or, or on social media. It it helps spread the news, spread the word around. I I cover a lot and, uh, want to, want to help other people find out about the cool tech gadget and gaming news going on. But, uh, Google's March feature drop for pixel phones, um, is official. It includes dark theme scheduling. So, um... The highlights include dark theme automatic scheduling, advanced do not disturb rules based on your current Wi-Fi network and or physical location, new emoji, a play pause gesture for motion sense, and plenty more. If you own a Pixel device, it's all good stuff. And yes, there's a video that goes along with it, too. <gasps> but I'm not going to play it because, you know, copyright. Um, here's a list of what's new. Rules to enable Do Not Disturb and other routines based on Wi-Fi network or physical location. You can set dark theme on an automatic schedule based on local sunrise and sunset times. You can express yourself in more ways with Pixel's Emoji 12.1 update that features a more uh, larger set of emojis. The expansion of the personal safety app with car crash detection to users in Australia and the UK. Motion Sense will now allow Pixel 4 users to pause and resume music with a tapping gesture above the phone easier access to your cards and passes in Google play, uh, pay and apps via a more powerful power button, um, and camera improvements to add depth for better selfies and ability to create 3d photos on Facebook. Now, um, one thing that the author wanted to point out in this article is the easier access to your cards and passes via the power button. This is clutch since accessing Google Pay was not quite as easy as accessing Samsung Pay on a Galaxy phone. A GIF of this function can be seen below. And uh, it looks pretty simple. Um, let's see if they, if they redo it proper. Let's see. Okay, it looks like it's restarting here a little bit. Press and hold the power button. Dink. And here it is. It's up already. So, yeah. Um, they do have a breakdown of features and which phones they're going into. Obviously, it looks like the Pixel 4 is getting most of them. Um, the Pixel 3 is actually getting... It's like the second follow-up. The 3A is getting about the same as the Pixel 2. Um, but, yeah, if you want better selfies, Pixel 4 is where it's at. All right. Moving right along to the Samsung Galaxy S20 Ultra 5G. Now, um, this is just first impressions, and this is by uh, Thorat.com. So they they had a review that they're looking at. So if you're missing out on what we're looking at currently right now, it's most likely because you're listening to the podcast, guys. Head on over to YouTube.com forward slash tech news gadget and subscribe. I do make this available as a video as well. Um, Here I am Um, <laughs> So you can actually see If there is video pictures that go along with it The Samsung Galaxy S20 Ultra 5G Is as expected A huge slab of glass With an obnoxiously large camera sensor On the back Of course uh, the author's coming decision On his handset will be based semi-exclusively On the quality of that camera Though for now Here's our first impressions First off it's big not as big as compared to other handsets as some early reviews suggested. However, taking out their other large handsets like the iPhone 11 Pro Max and a Samsung Note 10 Plus, the S20 Ultra is approximately the same size as both and is in fact only a hair taller than the Note 10 Plus. The biggest difference, of course, is a display where the Note 10 Plus provides a 6.8 inch display in a 162.3 by 77.2-point by 7.9 millimeter body, the S20 Ultra ships with a slightly bigger 6.9 inch unit um, in a, just a slightly larger frame. So that said, the S20 Ultra is notably heftier. It weighs in at 220 grams compared to 196 for the Note 10 Plus, and uh, a lot of it probably has to do with the batteries. 5,000 mAh for the S20 Ultra versus a 4,300 for the Note 10+, Plus. the latter of which also provides an S-pen. That said, the weight is noticeable, but the S20 Ultra seems dense in a good way. Not like a brick, but it could be used as self-defense if you wanted it to. And that was something I added. Um, (laughs) Don't quote me on that. Um, There are two major form factor changes. It's it's not my fault. Every single time somebody says, oh, yeah, this phone feels like a brick. It's like, how do you know? What, you take that, and you take a brick, and you wait, and you go... Hmm, I don't know which one would hurt if I threw it at something. And then you threw it. Anyways, there are two major form factor changes since the Note 10+. Plus, Samsung moved the volume buttons and the power button to the right side from the left, which is good news. The layout is more common and preferred, and the display is no longer curved, as was the case with the past several Samsung flagships. There's a smart move here curved displays are kind of hard to protect with cases and thus easier to damage and are prone to miss taps and swipes so i don't know it, it's almost like yeah it looks cool but it's the cool factor mostly why have it curved anyways the display is gorgeous as they've come to expect from samsung which describes it as an hdr 10 plus certified dynamic amoled 2x infinity o display with a resolution of 3200 by 1440 and a pixel density of 511 ppi both of which are improvements over the note 10 plus well let's just say it's more the big news here is the 120 hertz refresh rate though the author's understanding is that this is only possible if you set the display to 1080p and be testing that um the onboarding experience with Samsung is only slightly different than the stock Android setup wizard. They opted for facial recognition to see whether the process has improved since the Note 10+. Plus. Samsung's UI remains one of the more attractive Android skins. And while some of the navigation and gestures are different, familiar enough that they're able to jump right in without much confusion. So, um, then he looks into the camera system. So, um... If you're interested in learning more about the first impression of the samsung galaxy s20 ultra 5g well links to this will be in the show notes over at technewsgadget.net all right this just in get this custom computer 64 core processor more powerful than a mac pro guess what it costs no don't look at the screen get that out of here Oh well, if you're listening to the podcast, you don't even know what it costs. But uh, speaking of the podcast, did you know that more people actually listen to this show on the go than do watch the show on YouTube right here? Yeah, it's true. Head on over to latestintechnews.com and uh, all the subscription options you want are available. We are on uh, every major podcast directory uh, app for you to listen to at your leisure, and. It's updated automatically. You don't have to go in and click on the YouTube subscribe button and then click on the bell and then click notify and then all notifications. Nope. You subscribe via the podcast. Well, you get the new show right in your app when it comes out. So moving on, Apple's Mac Pro was introduced last year and offered a slew of customization options. Now, there's no denying that the machine is... Certainly powerful, and take note that the maxed out variant costs a whopping $53,000. However, a company that builds custom computers has announced a new Mac Pro rival. That's right, the Media Workstation X2 is seemingly more powerful than Apple's top of the line computer. Uh, <laughs> for price comparisons, the Media Workstation X2 is priced on par with the Mac Pro. $53,000. As for the technical specifications that make it more powerful, it, well, it features two AMD EPYC 64-core processors. The processor offers 256 threads against, well, Mac Pro's 56 threads. Mm-hmm. These threads are responsible for directly translating to an increase in and the capacity to tackle multiple tasks. These are also referred to as the highest level of codes that a processor can execute. Apple's Mac Pro, in comparison, features an Intel Xeon processor with 28 cores and two Radon Pro Vega 2 Duo cards. In addition, it also comes with 1.5 terabytes of RAM against the Media Workstation X2's 2 terabyte ram in the storage department the x2 features super fast 82 terabyte of storage the graphics are handled by the nvidia quattro rtx 8000 gpu with 48 gigs of gddr6 memory (laughs) and just saying that you like if i can't i can't even imagine could you imagine that computer Just how beefy it is. Apple's Mac Pro features a design that reminds us of the cheese grater. Yes, I'll admit. uh, But the Media Workstation X2 boasts a simple and plain design. Hey, Apple, you might want to take note to go back to that design that's on the screen right now. It's on the right-hand side, not the left, because that looks like a cheese grater. And some people could confuse it as such. Anyways, um, it's a simple and plain design. In addition, it comes with a three-year warranty and a one-year on-site service. For those of you who are interested and you want to take a look further, well, head on over to MediaWorkStations.net and look at the X2. While Apple does not take specifications into direct focus when you talk about performance, it can be seen that a computer like an X2 does look better on paper. However, um, it looks like they haven't been able to get a test or demo unit. Um, I'm not sure if that's something you could technically do. Um but it looks like the author of this article will be sharing more details on the machine as soon as they hear about it. Apple also shared a technical overview PDF for the Mac Pro and Mac Pro Display XDR. But what do you think? Is the Media Workstation X2 worthy of a $53,000 price tag? Well, let us know. And uh, let these people know, because I'm... I mean, you just look at it and you're like, how in the world can you stuff that much? And then why in the world would it cost... This is... this is okay. This would be like like buying a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. Just in the car world, this I, this is up there. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop now. We got some gaming news to get to for crying out loud. All right, so Fortnite fans, I got more news for you. And if you haven't been in the loop in terms of what's going on with the update, that's okay. Got you covered. Well, the twelve point ten update is coming right around the corner uh the first patch of fortnite season two is expected to release probably around march 4th on tuesday don't have any news of the release at the time of writing but a march 4th update still wouldn't be a surprise it's typically when uh most companies update anyways and fortnite usually does now it's still a little bit early but there's a good deal about what we can expect in the next patch here's a sneak peek at some early patch notes uh first up um the following bug fixes will be included: XP gained from XP coins not appearing correctly in the XP bar; unable to close the map with map input if bound to a directional pad up; teammate arrow flickering or temporarily disappearing in Team Rumble; weak point hits not registering when very close to them; the uh, split screen problem—I guess the player one can interrupt player two's trigger button action; flare um, style of yonder was incorrectly locked big haul glider variant may not unlock and the glass selector device will not work unless the volume is visible. And this is only in creative mode, so it uh, looks like they're fixing all of that. Unfortunately, there are still a few troubling bugs that are listed as in development. Um, main one being reports of an FPS drop since 12.0. Now, um, probably means we won't be getting a fix this time around. Hopefully they'll figure that out. Otherwise, PC players... I know, and you'll probably hear Ninja playing up about it. Uh, we'll have to deal with some infuriating frame drops for another week or so. There's also a new item coming. You can get the proximity mine. Apparently, these stack to six. It's a mine that explodes when an enemy comes close. So, we did We did see a leak about them. Um, this is one of them. Um, the other one was a disguise kit and security plans. Um. so the security plans for those wondering were likely linked to the Brutus loyalty challenges, so we've already seen those and uh, well, next up would most likely be the disguise kit according to the Fortnite leaks this item will work like a phone booth on the go, you can disguise yourself without visiting one of the normal booths this addition seems similar to the harpoon gun in season 1, which is why it's the best candidate for a 12.10 release and finally let me just double check really quick there is a new ltm there's a leak last week revealing an infected ltm coming to fortnite they don't have a ton of information on this one but the name suggests it will be similar to the game types in halo call of duty and apex legends now if you haven't played one of these game modes they kind of go like this the game starts with a normal team of players and either one or two infected players. The infected players use strong melee attacks and enhanced movement, while the normal players use weapons. Every time an infected player gets an elimination, the downed opponent turns into an infected player. The game ends when everyone is infected, or the healthy players escape and run out the timer. There was recent news of a faction war event, or LTM, coming to Fortnite, but it might be pushed off a little bit farther. But there's still a lot that could happen with the first Fortnite Season 2 patch. And, uh, well, if you're visiting Fortnite Intel, they'll keep you posted with everything that you need to know. Now, me, for one, I'm kind of interested in seeing how infected goes for the LTM. I don't know. I kind of find myself playing the LTM game mode when I have the chance because I just don't like the regular game modes. But that's just me. And I don't have a lot of time. So it's not like I can run around for 20 minutes and try to survive because I'm not even going to make it into the top 10. I'm not good at building, and apparently my aim sucks. Um, so, yeah. All right, now on to the feature story. Oh, wait, I probably should have pushed this to the beginning. Shoot. Well, it's been a while. It's been a couple of months sure we'll be fine with it. Riot's new shooter, Valorant, looks like Overwatch meets CSGO, and it's coming this summer, and it looks like there is video that goes along with this article. So if you are interested, head on over to technewsgadget.net. There will be a link to this article in the show notes. For the first competitive shooter, League of Legends developer Riot is pulling from some of the biggest games in the genre. Today, the, the developer officially unveiled Valorant, previously known only as Project A, with a video that shows nearly three minutes of gameplay. Now, based on this, Valorant looks to combine the tactical gunplay of CSGO with the -the over-the-top characters and special powers of Overwatch. The creators describe it as a 5v5 game where creativity is your greatest weapon. Imagine this. Tactical shooter meets hypernatural powers. Everyone's got guns and a unique set of abilities. So how do you beat someone at the speed of wind use your own moves to outplay them and beat them to the shot valorant is a game for bold strategists who dare to make the unexpected play because if it wins it works the game is expected to launch this summer likely in beta form starting on pc riot already operates one of the biggest games in the world with a decade-old strategy title, league of legends so the potential is valorant It's pretty clear here, particularly as it looks to carve its own niche in an already popular genre. The developer appears to be strongly focused on a competitive audience, which means we'll likely see a big esports draw should Valorant garner an audience. Here's what Riot says on that subject. Here's what we think it takes for you to trust the game enough to invest. 128 tick servers, at least 30 frames per second on most min-spec computers, even dating back a decade, 60 to 144 FPS on modern gaming rigs, a global spread of data centers aimed at under 35 millisecond ping for players in major cities around the world, a netcode we've been obsessing over for years, and a commitment to anti-cheat from day one. Valorant is part of something of a renaissance at Riot as the company looks to expand beyond League of Legends, the only game it released in the first 10 years of existence, which is not a really big deal, but yeah, now that you got good, start expanding. That includes a League animated series, a mobile spinoff called Wild Rift, a collectible card game called League of Runeterra, a fighting game, and a publishing venture that will see indie studios create story-focused games in the League universe now. I can't wait. If this game goes the way I hope it does. I'm going to have a lot of fun testing it out. And playing it when I have a chance to. But uh, what do you guys think? Valorant? Or are you just happy playing Overwatch and CSGO? I feel like I need something new. I've been playing too much Overwatch recently. And it's just so frustrating. Because you're like. Okay I don't play competitive. Just for starters. I, I do quick play. And you have three roles to pick from. Tank, damage dealer, and healer. How, if we've had this feature around forever, do you not know to play your role? You don't, much less you don't even need to worry about how to play a champ. Just play your role. It's an objective-based game. It's a team-based game. Nothing's changed. Anyways, I'm not going to start ranting about Overwatch, but uh, I can't wait till this summer to test it out, Valorant sounds cool looks good and knowing that it's coming from league of legends developer riot games probably a good game Huh? that's definitely gonna pack a punch and not to mention a couple of surprises on to our final story all right well latest gaming news and last article for today i know this is going to be a long um show but i had to finish it up new ps5 and xbox series 10 leak is the craziest rumor that we've heard of yet it's official february has left a building and sony didn't make any major playstation 5 announcements of any kind during the course of the month it's unclear whether this was part of their strategy all along or um there's a health outbreak that is to blame after all sony pulled out of three major events during february including mwc and pax east and gdc Kind of getting annoying um, however, Microsoft last week revealed most of the Xbox Series 10 specs in an unexpected way. Get this, a blog post. The company also revealed some of the new features of the console and confirmed the leaks that mentioned the formidable performance of the Series X or 10. What do you call it? I don't know. Um, I've kind of been behind the news. Sony is now two steps behind Microsoft as the PS5 design and specs are both yet to be officially unveiled. But there are a couple of rumors for you, including one that might be a crazy potential leak rumored, uh, that we've seen so far. Remember all the people who said that the new PS5 and Series 10 should cost more than 600 bucks? Turns out that might be the case for both consoles if the following leak is true. The best versions of the PS5 and Xbox Series 10 will seemingly be a lot more expensive than initially believed. That would be a huge letdown for some buyers, but the rumor has an exciting part as well. Apparently both Microsoft and Sony will be launching their mid-cycle consoles, the ones that are supposed to be more affordable, at the same time as the flagship models. The claim comes from a NeoGAF report with a source who has privately vetted their industry experience with the NeoGAF staff. Here's what they had to say. They heard that there are two consoles per company. The mid-gen refreshes are going to be introduced at release so that these consoles can run the entire seven-year cycle. Um, The XSX that was released yesterday is a top end one. Twelve teraflops I do not I don't I don't know. If you wanna read that. Uh it's kinda of interesting. Several reports said in the past few months that the Xbox Series 10 might have a more powerful GPU than the PS5, maybe the twelve teraflops versus the nine teraflops. And that's what VFX veteran is probably referring to above here. Um, if this info is accurate. You'll probably have to pay more money for the best new PlayStation 5 or Xbox than you might have expected since both consoles have been rumored to launch with $499 price tags, but you'll be able to save money if top performance isn't as important to you as the sticker price. Even the cheaper PS5 and new Xbox will be significantly faster than a PS4 Pro and Xbox One X. The leaker did not provide additional information about any of the four consoles. He or she apparently has insights on. Also, Microsoft didn't hint Last week, that a cheaper Xbox Series version might be sold alongside the flagship version, but if the details are accurate, Microsoft unveiled the specs of its most powerful 2020 console, kind of to just, you know, set itself up, and then, uh, well, Sony's behind Microsoft two steps at this point, so a PS5 announcement of some sort is likely coming soon. Now, whether or not the company takes the wraps off of multiple PS5 models remains to be seen. Sony and Microsoft have both used mid-cycle refreshers as a big way to boost console sales, so it would be pretty crazy to see one or both companies abandon that strategy. So, with all those articles, and uh, in case you missed anything, head on over to technewsgadget.net. All right, and with that, that wraps up this episode of the latest in tech news. Thanks for tuning in. New episodes... Every weekday, and I'm going to make a point of doing that this week. Tomorrow, however, Tuesday might be a little bit difficult, as I'm going to be out during the evening hours, which is normally when I record. Um, So I'll see what I could do around that. But uh, you guys don't need to worry. You'll be getting your news uh, the best I'm able to provide. and Tech News can be found on every major platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to let us know by clicking that like button if you're watching via video and leaving a comment. Also, double-check that you are subscribed so that you don't miss the next episode. I'm your host, Taylor American. remember, for the latest in tech, gadget, and gaming news, visit technewsgadget.net. Pretty much, keep being awesome, guys, and I'll see you on the flip side.